I want to continue on in John. We started last week with John 1.1, and we're going to preach a few weeks through John here and see what the Lord has for us. But I wanted to look at this second part of chapter 1, starting in verse 19 here in just a minute. I want us to think about these things. First of all, this big word here, atonement. I want us to think about that. That's a word that we need to know what that means. A lot of us know what it means, we just, and we've accepted what it means. We just don't know. Somebody said, do you believe in atonement? We might sit there and cratch our head and say, I don't know if I believe in atonement or not. And I hope, I hope in this time that I have with you this morning, when we get through, you can say, you know what? I know what atonement is, and I do believe, and I believe in the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. So understanding atonement. As we look at uh, the things that motivated the death of Christ... Have you ever thought about that? What motivated Jesus to die for us? What motivated him to leave that splendor of heaven and come to this place as a baby and take on this old diseased bodies that we have and sinful bodies that we have? Of course, he never knew sin, but he he actually put on flesh. He put on flesh just like we did when we were born. And what what would motivate Jesus Christ to do this? I want to look at that this morning as we talk together. But let's read some scriptures, and then we'll get started. Look there, John 1, Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then verse 19. We're going to read down through uh, 29, okay? Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. Now, at this John, we're not talking about the John that wrote the book of John. We're talking about John the Baptist, now, this morning class, we were talking about what is considered radical. How, how do you know if somebody's radical? And one of the names that was brought up in class was John the Baptist was definitely a radical, all right? Uh, John lived out in the middle of the wilderness. John wore animal skins for clothes, and his favorite food was grasshoppers and honey. Mm. I'm going to get Abby some of that for dinner. That'd be all right, Amy. I think we're having that at Nan and Pop's today. But grasshoppers and honey, and he was, he was radical, and he came preaching the word, and he came as the forerunner of Christ, and he was baptizing people. This was kind of a, a new thing, and they were trying to figure out what was going on. And so here come the Pharisees, you know, this group that we love to, to make fun of. But uh, here they come asking all these questions, and, and John had to kind of set them straight on who he was, all right? He did not fail to confess, but confess freely, I am not the Messiah. Are you the prophet they talked about coming? I am not, he said. I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then, who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And here's what John said. John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Back in Isaiah 40. You'll read that prophecy. There will be one come that will cry out, that will pronounce the Messiah has come. And and John says, you know, I'm not him, but I'm the one that's come to tell you about him. I'm the one that's come to point the way. I'm going to show you who Jesus Christ is. Man, what a a job. Can you imagine just being having that job to say, that's him. There he comes. There he comes. Now, the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, 
the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. I can't even tie his shoes. I, I'm so far down the pecking chain, I can't even begin to even address who this man is. It's, he's the most wonderful, awesome, holy, divine person ever. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of Jordan where John was baptizing out, out west. Then the verse that I want us to talk about today. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, and here's the words I want us to key on, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Everybody say amen. That's atonement. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's pray. Lord, as we read into your scripture, we are just excited about how much you love us. Lord, that you would care, that you would just do this for us as beyond what we can ever imagine, what we can ever explain, what we can ever define. But Lord, how we are so thankful. Lord, help us to realize each day the, the precious price that was paid for our salvation. And Lord, may it make us and drive us closer to you each step we make. In your name we pray. Amen. Look, there he is, the Lamb of God and the best verses ever that takes away the sin of the world. Without this man coming, without Jesus Christ coming, guys, we have no way to be reconciled back to Jesus Christ, back to God. We have no way to be reconciled back to God. And so that's where we begin. The idea that our Lord died a martyr a helpless martyr is nowhere taught in the Bible. You say that Jesus was arrested and they took him and they died. And we talk about martyrs dying in the Bible. We talk about Stephen being stoned for Christ. But I want to tell you today that no one took Jesus' life. He gave his life. He gave his life for us. And, and, and this atoning thing, this atonement that we're talking about this morning has to deal a lot with that. Many scriptures teach clearly that the atonement of Christ is an expiation, that's a big word, the act of making atonement of human sin, so that sin is that which made atonement necessary. Understanding atonement, why do we need to know about atonement? What, what caused atonement to have to happen? It was a sin of human beings. It was a sin of human beings. Let me show you something, next picture here. This is called the Ark of the Covenant. And this, this act of atonement, or as they would call it, Jesus set it up in Leviticus, or God set it up in Leviticus, called the Day of Atonement. And the Jews still observe this day. It's called Yom Kippur. You all may have heard that before. That's their Day of Atonement. This year it's on September 14th, I believe. Uh, it's not too far away. But what would happen is this was the mercy seat, or this was back in the tabernacle days, and then it later went to the, the temple. But the, the, this Ark of the Covenant carried uh, the Ten Commandments and Aaron's rod and and just some different things. You see the wood post there. You couldn't touch the Ark of the Covenant. If you've ever seen that movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark, that's n not biblical, but it's, you know, it's got some things there that they kind of pulled out of the Bible. But you had to, pull, you had to carry these, this, uh, this Ark of the Covenant by these wood dowels, and, and only certain people could, could carry it. And you couldn't touch it, because if I walked up and touched that, I would die right on the spot. And a lot of times there in the, in the tabernacle, there would be a cloud. It would be the Shekinah glory of God, and it would dwell, and they would know that God was with them. And that would be kind of his uh, letting the people know, hey, I'm here. I'm here for you, and I, I, I'm going to be taking care of you. 
Well, once a year, they would have to come into this place, and they, on this day of atonement, to atone for the sins of that year, the next picture, they would take a lamb, and they would have to grow this lamb a certain way, in a particular way. It would be the best, of the, the best that they had. It would be the best gift that they had. And they would take this lamb, and its blood would be shed. And it was a, it was a type. A type is something we see in the Old Testament shows us what's coming, what Jesus is going to do. And this atonement, this day of atonement, and this sacrificing of this lamb was showing us that this something innocent was taking the sin or taking our place and dying. Had this lamb committed sin? No. But he was coming and his blood was shed and he was taking the place of that sin of the people and he was uh, foreshadowing, he was a, a type of what Jesus would do and come and atone our, our sin for us one day. So they would take the blood and they would go back, go back one picture, they would take that blood and they would take and sprinkle the blood over that mercy seat. And that would show that their sins had been forgiven for that year. You know, the amazing thing about that, though, is they had to come back year after year after year, had to continue to do it. When Jesus came, he came once for all. He died once for all. Amen. He doesn't have to die. He didn't have to get on the cross every year. He doesn't have to die over and over for us. He came and died for our sins. And he became the perfect sacrificial lamb. The perfect sacrificial lamb. Go ahead, two slides, please. God has decreed from the beginning that death must follow sin, both physical and spiritual, eternal separation from God. Why do we have to worry about this? Why do we need this perfect sacrifice? Why do we need atonement for our sins? Because there's, there's only, that's what's going to happen. Beginning of death must follow sin, both physical and spiritual, eternal separation from God. We go all the way back to the garden, guys. We always, you hear me go back to that many sermons. But that's kind of where it all began, the sin of Adam and Eve. And, and, and they, they did something they weren't supposed to do. God said, don't touch the tree. And they, they just had to do it. They had to touch it. As we learned Wednesday night, the woman messed up. God, guys, we were just standing back here watching. It was all her fault. No, it really wasn't. We were right in the middle of it. We were right in the middle of it. We began to disobey. And because of this, sin entered into the world. Because of this, we were separated from God. And guys, listen to me. There was no way we were getting back to him. There had to be a perfect sacrifice, a holy sacrifice, that could get us back to God. And there was no one that was shown to be adequate for this sacrifice. In our Bible, we read in Romans 6, For the wages of sin is death. Plain and simple. The wages of sin is death. And then we see another verse, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What do we do? What do we do? What's going to be done? What, what, what is our, our hope? What is our hope? How do we define sin, first of all? Man defines sin as any transgression of the law of God. Just doings, do's and don'ts, do's and don'ts. But the Bible kind of gives it another definition. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. That's pretty big. That is, whatever a man does or thinks, which is not an act or a thought proceeding from faith in God, and guided by God, is sin. Think about that a minute. Whatever a man does, an act or thought, 
that is not proceeding from the faith in God or guided by God is sin. You can see real quick where this, this sin thing, this sin problem, is going to get bigger than any of us can deal with. See, we want to make it a list of do's and don'ts, but it's much, much more than that. It's much more than that. That's why it took a perfect sacrifice. That's why it took a perfect lamb of God. Behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. To atone for means to make amends. Something had to make amends for our sin. Something had to pay the price. In the Bible, atonement is associated with man's sin. God has said, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for your soul. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. The blood must be shed for our sins to be forgiven. What do we do? What do we do? Do you see the problem here? Do you see what we're up against? Do you see why we need atonement? Then we hear John say these words, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus said, I'll do it. Jesus said, I'll do it. I, I love and, and I care for those people so much. And, and Father, you know, I, I, wouldn't you have loved to sit in on that conversation that day? Father, I, I know... I know there's no one there that can do it. And, and Father, I know that you love them because you created them. We created them, Lord, and, 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 and we created them. I, I know that you want to do something. I'll do it. Send me. Send me. And this was decided long before. Decided long before. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It is sufficient for us to know that it was sin which made the cross a must in the experience of the Son of God. We must realize the depravity, our sin, how much we hurt, how much we were lost. Understanding the lostness of God. Guys, this is, this is more than just we didn't do something right. Yeah, we failed. Yeah, we did something wrong. But this is, this is huge. This is what separated man from God, and there wasn't any way to get back to him. There was only one way. All sin is a result of Satan's evil plan and purpose to get men to live and act independently of God. When you think about sin and what, what it's about and what it does, the sin that we deal with in our life today is the same thing. It's Satan trying to get us to live and act independently of God, that we don't need God, that we can do it without him, that we are our own God, that we are strong enough ourselves, And we see all the, the issues that are going with that. Several passages of Scripture tell us about the wrath of God. The wrath of God is nothing like the uncontrolled passion of men, rather his holy and just indignation against sin. Now, when we get fired up at somebody or we get upset at somebody, boy, we come at him and we're mad and we're screaming and we're spitting and we're stomping and we're telling them what we think, but... The wrath of God is different than that. The wrath of God is just not blasting people and zapping people with lightning bolts like we want to think in the cartoons. But it's, it's about a holiness that God possesses. God is holy and, and he is perfect. And he just has this about him that 
we have no idea how to get there. The holiness of God and, and how, how far we were separated. I don't think we really understand that. We think, well, we, we made a sin, somebody died for us, and now we're back in God's good graces. Guys, it was, it was way, way bigger than that. The atonement of our salvation. Atonement is, is made possible or made, it's made that has to be done because of two great facts. The holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. Those are the two key factors in atonement, why it had to be done. Atonement is made an absolute necessity if sinners are to be pardoned and brought to God. You see how important it was for Jesus Christ to come to this earth? Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now, a while ago we read the first part of this verse, the wages of sin are death, and we stopped there. And I, I just love that we should never have to stop there. Because there's a but there, you know. And the buts of the Bible sometimes are just huge. But the gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life. He didn't stop there. He didn't say the sin is there, it's everywhere. He said, there's no way, we can't fix it. He didn't stop there. He said, but the gift of God, the gift, the gift, it's not something you work for, it's the gift of God is eternal life. Yes, we want to do all we can for the Lord. Yes, we want to serve him. We want to love him and we want to go out and make disciples. We want to do all those great things. But this part here, guys, we couldn't do. We couldn't do it on our own. We had to have Jesus Christ come in our place. And he had to deal with the sin of mankind. Let's look at some verses real quick this morning. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There is no hope without shedding the blood of Jesus Christ. Go back to the type that we've seen in the Old Testament. The lamb, his throat was cut and the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat. There was no remission of sins for that year without the shedding of that blood. Now we come ahead... 2,000 years ago, and Jesus Christ on the cross, there was no way we could go to heaven. There was no way we could know God. There was no way we could come into the presence of a holy God without the shedding of blood. That's atonement. The shedding of blood. For what I re received, I passed on to you as of first importance, Paul said, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Guys, I believe this is a fact. I believe that Jesus died. There's a lot of people out there trying to disprove that. There's a lot of people saying that's a lot of fairy tale. That's a lot of stuff that doesn't really make sense. But I believe, and you can read through your word, and you can read through the annals of history, there was a man named Jesus. There was a man that died on the cross. There was one that died in place, in my place, in your place. There was one that raised from the dead. And there is one that sits on the right hand of the Father today and intercedes for us so that we may have eternal life. Those are true things. Those are true things. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. We needed a Savior. Next, next screen, please. He, Jesus, here's the big word, is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Propitiation, that's a big word. What is pr propitiation? <laughs> Can't hardly say that word. Listen to this. The word propitiation carries the basic idea of appeasement or satisfaction, Specifically toward God. And I like this next part. Propitiation is a two-part act. It's got two parts. It involves appeasing the wrath of an offended person 
and also being reconciled to him. See, it wasn't only that Jesus died for us. It wasn't only that he paid the price for our sins and now Jesus, our God says, okay, the price has been paid, but I still don't want anything to do with you. He not only did that, but he reconciled, he brought us back to God. Isn't that great? The propitiation, a two-headed sword. Yes, he paid the price. He caused God's wrath not to be poured out on those that believe in Jesus Christ. But also, not only did he do that, not only did he get us excused from the sin if we believe in Jesus Christ, he also brought us back into a loving relationship with God. He reconciled us. That is atonement. That is a propitiation, a big word there. For he, Jesus, is the propitiation, the appeasement, the reconciliation of our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man. We read this the other night. The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. Isn't it great? You know, in the Old Testament, on the Day of Atonement, each one of us would have had to get our own lamb. We would have had to bring that there, and it would have been sacrificed, and the blood would have been sprinkled on the mercy seat. Every person had to have their own, but we all, Jesus came, and he didn't just die for this group or that group, and there's a lot of folks going around today saying that he just, you know, that, that he only died for a certain amount of people, or, or he only died. And listen, I believe that God knows everything, and we're going to get real deep in what God knows and what God doesn't know because he knows everything. But I believe that the blood he shed on the cross was enough to save everybody that would ever come for repentance. Everybody. Anybody that would say, would you save me? His blood shed on the cross was not just for 20 or 30 or 40 or 20 million or 60 million. It was for everyone that would come to know repentance from Christ. Everyone. And guys, always remember that. He, he, he who gave himself a ransom for all, everybody that would come and call upon the name of the, of the Lord can and will be saved. What powerful verses this morning. One more, it says this. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Then it says, the Lord is long-suffering to us usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Our last picture shows this. And Christ in the middle is the reason for the atonement. He is the atonement. This is more than, they'll say, do you believe in the doctrine of atonement? And doctrine is just a big word for religious teachings. But guys, I, know, I don't only believe in the doctrine of atonement. I believe in Jesus Christ who was the atonement. You see, it's more than just facts on a page. I can say, yeah, I believe in atonement. I believe in the doctrine of atonement. But I want you to believe in the one that was the atonement. In his name. He's the one that can save you. He's the one that can change your life. He's the one that can forgive all of your sins if you only ask. It says, when we have the true conception of the holiness of God. Guys, this morning, as we close, I just got a short message this morning. But I, I want us to understand how far away we were from a holy God. And really, still how far we are from understanding God, who he is, what he can do for us. When we understand, it says, when we have the true conception of the holiness of God, we will have the true conception of sin. When I look at God and I look at Todd Benson in the mirror, I see a great big gulf there. I see a great big difference. I see a perfect holy God and I see a sinful man.
I see one that gets it right and gets it wrong a lot more than he gets it right. I see such a difference between me and God. And when I understand that, I see my lostness. I realize how lost, how desperate I was for somebody to come and rescue me. Then it says this, and we have the correct view of sin, and when we have the correct view of sin, we will have an adequate view of the atonement. The shedding of the blood of Christ to cover, to atone, to wash away, to take away the sins of the world for all. Jesus Christ paid that price. The only way, guys, that we were going to get back to God, the only way that we could get back to God was through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's the basic concept of atonement. When someone comes to you and says, what is atonement? Now you can tell them. You knew, you knew what it was. You've experienced through salvation. But it's great to know that Jesus, and guys, there's much more. We'll talk some more about this tonight. But there, there's much more, and the scope of what Jesus done is, is so huge. It's so much more than I can comprehend that he would do what he did, that he would pay my price. It should make us just go to our knees every day and thank him for just loving us the way he does. Oh, the blood of Jesus that washes the sin away. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Behold, look, here he comes, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Because of Jesus Christ, our sins have been atoned for. Thank you, Lord, for loving us the way you do. And all God's people said, amen. Let's pray. And Father, as we look at this thought of atonement, the thought of you caring for us, the thought of you loving us, the thought of how far away I am from you, Lord, it overwhelms me. Lord, I realize how desperate I was. But Lord, you came. And you died. You paid the price. You made amends. And not only that, Lord, you reconciled us back to the Father. Now we can go through you and be saved. Lord, I pray for all of us that have made a decision to follow you in Christ, that we will be thankful for that on a daily basis. But Lord, I also pray that there's someone here this morning that has never allowed your blood to atone for their sins. And Lord, you've died for them already. You've already done the work. All they have to do is accept that gift. And Lord, I pray that if anyone's here this morning that's not accepted that gift of atonement, that they would do that today. Lord, I pray for others that are hurting. I pray for others that have burdens this morning. I pray that you will lighten their load. I pray that you will just let them know that you're there. And Lord, I thank you that your grace is always sufficient in whatever we face. In your precious name we pray. Amen.